I'm Michael Brennis, and this is the Showbiz Roundup. ARP of the Covenant, a trio of electroacoustic improvisers, draws its inspiration from the ARP 2600, a 1970s-era analog synthesizer known for being unpredictable except in the most expert hands. While ARP of the Covenant may be unpredictable, they're far from inexpert, as their intricate, ambitious, appealing music demonstrates. My guests tonight are ARP of the Covenant. They will be at Audio for the Arts March 18th. Uh, Mark Siegenthaler, Brad Townsend, Nick Zielinski, welcome. Hey. Hey, thank you. I should say welcome back, because you guys were one of the early shows from season one of this podcast, and welcome to season three. Was that before the pandemic that we did that? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was during. It must have been during because it was a an outdoor show, maybe. Yeah, I was outside at uh, the feed mill. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. So, first question: What's new? Well, what's new? Let's see. Um, we are working on, on several new tunes. We've got the 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 show. On March 18th, it's going to kind of showcase uh, uh, several tunes that um, are going to be on our new release. Hopefully, once we get it recorded, um, we'll come out, you know, in the next several months. But, um, you know, I, I, I suppose Mark and Nick can can talk more about like the details of it, but it's, it's definitely ARP of the covenant like, um, but I think we're kind of like revisiting um, some older um, sounds from our youth perhaps, and uh, which you do sometimes. And um, I don't know if the writing is that way, but I feel like, the the sounds that we're using kind of are are reminiscing of things that we grew up with and what i mean by that is this like you know just sounds that we use in our in our in our arsenal of 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 instruments that we, we're employing um there's always you know some element obviously of improvisation going on within each tune for the most part. Um, but I, I'm really, really digging where we're going with some of this stuff. It's like, it's, it's maybe a little more, I don't know if I'd say accessible, but it's definitely got more of a pop rock element to it than previously. Not that we didn't go there sometimes, but there's a, a little bit more of it now. I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think maybe our definition of what pop and poppy sounds like might be different than <laughs> than someone else's definition of what it might sound like. 
but um sure i i i i i think you're right about that brad um i'm curious uh, i'm curious what, what do you mean by the sounds the the sounds of our youth like what specifically are you talking about like your your bass sound well no, well i'm thinking about like uh the things that we listen to and not necessarily like using the elements of those songs but like the sounds that we heard like when you when you like listen to things you grew up with like um like for me it was you know that the sound that i'm using now which is different than i used before which i'm using i went back to the old tube head and like you know ampeg all the way versus i was like using all this modular boutique stuff and now i'm like getting kind of that that sound that i always liked as as a bassist um from when i was younger i think that you know obviously the arp is like something you know from a long time ago that we've heard on many different recordings which has always been a mainstay in our sound obviously arp of the covenant right um and uh <clears throat> some things that that you're doing um recently with like um using um laptop and peer data and some of the sampling stuff that you're doing reminds me of things that you know just sound wise not like specifics just like the sound um reminds me of 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 like early early kind of like new wave electronic music in some way i don't know it's just the sound i'm not talking about specifics <laughs> okay yeah I think some of that new stuff that Nick is doing too kind of also is um, kind of reminds me of some of the more experimental electronic recording types of things that were happening in the late sixties and early seventies with sampling and with loops and with um, um, some of it being rather esoteric and um, unpredictable. Uh, and finding some and finding things that sound good and, and layer looping them and layering them. And I like uh, I really like the way that sounds and where that's going. It sounds good. Well, let's talk a little bit about your process. Um, the ARP is it's kind of like a garage band in some ways because I think you guys learn things through repetition or by rote or whatever. It's not like you're working from charts uh, very frequently. Is that harder for you guys now that you're not all living in proximity to one another? Not really. I think I think we've that's always been the way we've we've learned this music and written this music. Um, sometimes, like sometimes, Mark and Brad will write stuff, and then I'll have to learn it. And then uh, sometimes I'll send them stuff, and they have to learn it. Um, and then we kind of come together and like hammer out the arrangements, like the arrange arranging the stuff is really what we do kind of as a collective in, in rehearsals. And so um, just like through the act of repetition and trying to, to put it together in an, a, like a linear way that will make sense and keep us interested. Um that's how we kind of learn the tunes, but yeah, we don't, 
sometimes we we dabble with charts, but we never usually end up using charts. Like we might we might share some like an idea with a chart, but it'll eventually get like mashed up and changed into something else. Yeah, I wish I had uh, like maybe an example of. I'm, I was trying to find it on my phone. I don't know if it even worked right here on the phone, but like the thing in 15, 16 that you shared with us on, and just a, just a text. And, um, and it's just the audio. There's no notes on a page or anything. And we transcribed it. And, um, um, just to give you an example, Michael, of how that process worked with this latest thing, we haven't really done that per se, where you're just kind of sharing ideas on, you know, over some digital media and then you just figure it out. And then the, the next time we get together as a group, we like, okay, let's try and do this, you know, and, and then try and arrange it and come up with new ideas. Um, but this particular last thing, uh, I'm sure Mark can talk more about this, about learning this baseline on the left hand in 15 while doing this really crazy melodic thing over the top of it that goes on for a long period of time. Um, I, I kudos to Mark for figuring that out because I don't know if I've <laughs> ever figured that out without seeing it on a page. You know what I mean? It was like, it's not like figuring out, uh, 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 you know, uh, a jazz solo, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a kind of a thing where the, the melodic period is different than the rhythmic period, Mark? You, you know, that they cycle differently? The left hand is an ostinato, um, and, it's, and it's broken up into groupings, in this, and, and the melody follows those same groupings. Um, but it's over... Um, I think we, I, I can't remember exactly, but it's 15 or 16 bars of, of 15. So it was just a, a matter of, I, I don't know, I guess I just kind of learned it all together so that, you know, like just, just a couple of measures at a time. Um, so with both hands, um, and then just through repetition, but yeah. I've, it was kind of a nice challenge because I um, I'd rather I'd rather do that kind of a, a kind of listening exercise than just reading something off the page, um, and yeah, that was that was a good experience, a good exercise for me, and it's a and it's a um, yeah, and to to get to the point where we were talking about how we just kind of share an idea. And then we come together and make it into um, a full piece of music as a group. Um, that's this is just a classic example of of that very thing. Um, all the arranging of this particular piece happened uh, while we were either Brad and I were working on it together, or all three of us were working on it um, together when we when we were able to meet. I want to pursue this. Uh, the, the Nick's move to Iowa just just for another second, because I'm kind of interested in learning about. Well, first of all, Nick is in Iowa now, and Brad and Mark, you guys are in Wisconsin in the Madison area. But I'm kind of interested 
to to just learn whether you would consider your move, Nick, part of sort of the whole housing crisis that's going on in many places like Madison. You know, um, you've you've moved to Iowa where your housing budget potentially goes down, but you're still gigging in Madison and other places. So your transportation budget goes up. I mean, would you do you think your move is part of this whole housing crisis that folks are facing? Um, that was that was definitely a big part of it. We were in, we were in the Madison area, um, and the main the main reason we ended up there was, um, just to, so I could be closer to, to play with Brad and Mark and make rehearsing, and just playing gigs and stuff more easy. Um, and then the pandemic happened, so there's a whole there's that whole other kind of part to it also but we we were renting a duplex in in cottage grove it's the that's like that was really the only place that we could afford and that was still a stretch um and we decided we didn't want to rent anymore and so we were looking to buy and couldn't afford anything around like anything within within uh a reasonable distance um, so we just were like, okay, um, let's look elsewhere. And my, my wife grew up in, in Decorah, Iowa, and her folks are here still. And, um, you know, the, the pandemic was a reality at the time. And we were like thinking about, uh, being close to family and, you know, having aging parents and that kind of stuff and needing to, to be able to be there for those kinds of things. And, um, we were able to make it work here. And so I don't, I think that I, I pay more for transportation now, but, um, actually we're paying drastically less, even if I drive to Madison twice a week. Um, because Laura was my wife, Laura was, we were living in cottage Grove and she was working in Economawak mm. and that's like a 45 minute drive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's like every day, an hour and a half in the car for her. And now she walks to work and, um, w- we pay, we still pay a lot less for, for transportation. Uh, we're putting less miles on our, our car, even with me driving all over the upper Midwest to try and, you know, play some gigs. So, um, yeah, it it was definitely the, the housing, (laughs) the prices for housing in, in around Madison, you know, um, they, they priced us out of the, the market. Um, so that was a huge, a huge factor because now, while I I'm, I have to drive to to rehearse with these guys, and I also play another trio with you know Anders Anders Swano and Brad, and I'm also playing in this the the Anders Swano teleporting rhythmic orchestra with with you guys uh, on the first Thursdays at Cafe Coda. Check it out. Um, Tickets are going fast. Yes, that's right. That's right tomorrow first gig um well it sounds to me like i mean yes the housing crisis has something to do with it but in in 
many ways of measuring. It's sort of a net, almost like a net benefit for you as a household because you're, yes, you know, close. Your wife, your wife is closer to work. You know, she, yeah, you. The sum total of your driving is probably less now as a household than it was yes. living in Cottage Grove. Yeah. And our our house payment is less than we were paying in rent, mm-hmm. significantly less. And I also now have a place where I can practice during during the day. I couldn't do that in our place because it was a duplex. So as a drummer, you kind of need to have a house. <laughs> Um, and there's, there, that's another thing about Madison is there's very few rehearsal spaces to rent. Um, it's not like Minneapolis. I lived in Minneapolis and you can find rehearsal space easily It's readily available. And it's not that expensive there because there's so many of them, but in Madison, it's, it was really hard to, to rent a, a spot to, to set up a drum kit and practice. So that was another factor. It was like I needed a place to to be able to just play every day and write music and and just work on stuff. Right, right. Yeah, some very complex issues involved in all that stuff. Yeah. Let's get let's get back to the music a little bit and talk about electronics. You each play acoustic instruments. Mark plays Fender Rhodes, which I guess produces sound acoustically, but it's amplified. Uh, same same with Brad and the bass. Um, what's your philosophy about incorporating electronics and how do you organize the use of electronics, whether you're improvising or playing something that's composed? Yeah, well, I guess when, when we first got together, um, uh, some of the, some of the, um, use of electronic sounds was just out of necessity um we were brad and i and nick we were meeting in brad's basement and there's there's no acoustic piano down there and i've been kind of i i had already been kind of gravitating toward the roads as a as a main keyboard instrument um and i guess the the electronic component is mostly is is mostly on my end but there like nick has is introducing some new things um some laptop um, with a with laptop and some other devices um and uh but i've always tried to use electronics just in the way i hear them i guess not um not gravitating toward them if for any particular reason other than reason other than i think that'll fit with it with what we're currently doing um but i love electronics and I've always I've always loved electronic music and synthesizers um so it was only natural that um <clears throat> that would be that would be my main focus yeah I think I think like the uh, part of a big part of our aesthetic or at least the the a big big part of our influences uh, you know of, of people that we we all like to listen to and have listened to is uh, kind of that hybrid between electronic and acoustic um there's a lot of artists that we all like that that are known kind of more for their their kind of production savvy than they are for maybe being like killing killing players or improvisers 
you know so if you think of like like Depeche Mode or uh, Tears for Fears or Kraftwerk or you know um, bands like that <clears throat> that we all love the the kind of electronic side of those bands is is I think more important to their appeal and their like importance to the music um than like the 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 their artistry as like operators of their instruments and then on the other on the flip side of that we also all kind of came together in um i think when we started we were all kind of going hard like like if if we could have we might have started as an acoustic trio you know um but i'm not sure about that but uh because mark mark's also a great like he sounds fantastic on a grand piano too um and brad sounds really good on a on an upright bass we're really good acoustic jazz trio too. <laughs> we can do we can do real jazz, I swear. We don't have to use robots. We just like to do it. <laughs> well, what's funny, like this recent stuff that we've been doing, you know, like we did an EP what three years ago or something like that. I was playing acoustic bass, I was playing stand-up bass, and then yeah. I don't know. I I was like, because we just when we first started like with the ARP, ARP, not jazz stuff <clears throat> exclusively. We you know I was playing a Fender bass, and you know we were doing that whole thing, and then we kind of like we kind of like tried to incorporate more of the acoustic stuff with the electronic for a while, and then I kind of like morphed back, and I'm just playing exclusively electric bass again, you know. And and it's been fun. I mean, it's like it kind of reminds you of the stuff that we first started with. And um, I mean, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm I use a lot of pedals and stuff, but I'm not like I'm not like Mark, <laughs> where I'm just like I live in the electronics somehow. I don't know. He resides there somehow. I don't know. I, I'm not to that point. <laughs> Maybe in retirement, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe cheaper to live in the electronics than it is, you know, in the real world. When you operate an acoustic instrument, the sounds you produce are sounds you hear in your head. If you're, you know, if you're an advanced player, you conjure a sound in your head and you just produce it on your acoustic instrument because that's the nature of the connection you have to the instrument. But then you go to the electronic realm and it's kind of like anything can happen. And I just wonder how, what drives what, you know, when you're improvising or whatever, and you produce a sound from an electronic instrument, you don't always know what it's going to sound like. That's true for me. Like if I'm operating an electronic instrument, it's a crapshoot as to what sound is going to come out. But I think, for for Mark especially, um, he he's more he he operates more like like you you were describing us on our acoustic instruments like you hear a sound and it comes mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. like he he usually knows exactly what is going to happen <laughs> when he does something <laughs> um, and that was one of the things that's one of the things I that's like so um, 
that that drew drew me to want to play with him it, it, when we first met was I never I had never seen anyone like work a synthesizer like that like he wasn't at my my previous experience with like uh, digital or analog synthesis was just twiddling and knobs and moving sliders and seeing what happened but he was actually like playing the thing like like a you know like a trumpet player plays a trumpet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um so there's a there's kind of a real deep understanding that he has of the of this of his rig <laughs> that he he kind of he can manipulate it in in very deliberate ways and i i think also he can he can kind of throw caution to the wind and get experimental, you know, like maybe we would on, on a drum kit or a, or a bass or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that, Mark? Do you, do you, do you also think you're awesome? I'll leave that kind of thing for you guys to say. Thanks. Um, no. Uh, yeah. You know, well, my, the approach is different with different synthesizers, right? Like with the ARP, um, there aren't any patch memories. So um, one of the things, um, one of the things that I love about it is that it's, it's just going to do whatever it is that where, where the, where the dials are set, where the sliders are set and switches and everything, it's going to do that thing until you move something. Um, And, or until you change something, um, without actually just calling up a patch like you can on a modern synthesizer. Um, and so with the ARP, it's just, um, it's just a, a, a more, there, there's more of a real connection between you and the sound. And it is still an instrument, you know, it still is a thing that you play. Um, but <clears throat> the, the difference for me with that kind of, you know, how you get different timbres out of acoustic instruments. Um, you can play, you know, you can change, say, if you're playing a reed, you can hear a brass, you can change embouchure, you can change, you can play a different string on a guitar and play the same note and get a different sound. Um, and with the ARP, the, the sound is just as much um, a part of playing the instrument as the note. Um, the notes you're playing. So, um, and uh, so that's kind of one uh, one aspect of it. Um, playing the ARP, you basically need to know um, how everything is going to operate, and then you can say you can you can play a melody, or you can play you can play some music on the ARP, and then you can change things as you play, and know where it's going to go and shake things by changing the sound um, along with playing the notes. Um, and you can really, I mean, you can do that on a modern synth too, but it's kind of, um, it's, it's <laughs> the art without the art, it's a necessity because there aren't, there isn't a way to just call up a, a different sound at any given time. And then I have uh, a couple of different synthesizers that are able to do that. And so <clears throat> those are usually kind of, providing accompaniments while the ARP is, is providing the, the lead for the melody. Um, um, but more often than not, I solo on the roads just because it's a, I'm familiar with, uh, I really love the sound of the roads and I really like all the different weight, all the different sounds I can get from it. 
Um, and it's just a much more natural feeling e-bed and it's so responsive um, to touch. So um, it's <clears throat> just kind of have all of those different elements and combine them in, um, in ways that I, that, that I think work. Um, hopefully they do. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it sounds like your connection to the electronic instruments is the same connection that the rest of us have to acoustic instruments and, and you do as well. Whereas, you know, when others of us who dabble in the electronic turn this knob, we're not exactly sure what is going to be produced, you know, and so it's sort of a reactive uh, relationship. <laughs> Which is fun, too. If you, When you try to combine it with, with your acoustic instrument, it can be kind of like you're improvising with a, with a robot or something. Right, and there's a lot to say about, you know, in, injecting chaos into what you're doing. Yeah. The un, you know, the unknown. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And with the art, um, for sure, the, the, the logic of making a sound is very straightforward and layout laid out very nicely and cleanly on the front panel. You can see from left to right, you can, you have control over um, what is making the initial sound and then what's, um, what's going to be changing the timbre of the sound or what's, um, or if there's going to be a modulation to the sound, if it's going to have a fast and then further to the right, then there's going to be um, controls for, is it going to have a fast attack time or is it going to have a slow attack? Is it going to mimic like a, um, a gong with a slow kind of attack or a piano with a fast attack or maybe and a decay or an organ that has um, a quick attack and release, but has a continuing um, volume as you play the key. And so all of those different controls are there for you to, um, um, to craft a particular sound with. And that's just the, you know, that's the, just the kind of basics of it. But I started learning that kind of thing. I remember we had a, a simple synthesizer in, in high school that had that same kind of layout and I learned, uh, how all of those things fit together and, it's surprising just with those kinds of controls, the array of timbres that you can create, um, the, the, the different types of sound you, sounds you can make. It's, it's, uh, it's, <clears throat> it's a whole other world. I mean, it sounds like that's, that's enough. Um, but I'm just curious, are, are there any musical instruments, you know, given all of you guys' um, experimentation and, and the like, are there any musical instruments, acoustic or electronic, that are not commercially available that you really wish existed? That's an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I guess in my case, from a practical standpoint, I've had to kind of Frankenstein a bunch of things together to get things that I want to work in a certain way um, to work. Um, I mean, there there are different combinations of the of the things that are already out there that would be nice to have all in one, in one instrument. Um, <clears throat> there, there, there are a lot of instruments out there that do things that I would love to do that I can't afford. Um, <laughs> uh, there's some really wonderful things um, coming out with uh, like, um, MIDI poly expression that allow you to do like three-dimensional control when just playing a single key. Um, 
and modeling and all kinds of different things. Yesterday, yesterday, as we, you, Nick and I were on a uh, gig together, and as I was wheeling my acoustic bass around on a wheel, and then I had my amp and my other stuff on my back, and I was like, you know what? Why don't they make a, a, an acoustic bass with the actual amplifier built inside of it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the back, like there's a port and like, you know, you could play it acoustically or you could like plug it in and you have both things. I don't know. Whatever. Or maybe sense. just, you know, we could we could get some anti-gravity going on. I mean, we're in the 21st century. That might be nice. Well, you you haven't considered playing in space might be the solution right there. That's coming soon. Ooh, yeah. That would make load-in a lot easier. <laughs> or a lot harder. Yeah, right. Because you'd have to get there. Well, that's right. If we're playing in space, then we probably have people put our gear onto the spaceship and take it up to the station where we were. And then we could just, if we if we needed to transport through the docks, through the docking stations, it'd be pretty easy to do at that point. <laughs> so you're saying there's roadies? There's roadies in space? Roadies in space. That, that's <laughs> well, I mean, you know, practically speaking, it's probably just cheaper to pay for cartage than to play in space. Yeah. <clears throat> right. You know? Well, Arp of the Covenant, it's been great to talk to you guys once again. Thanks for coming back on the show is Roundup. Uh, really looking forward to the new stuff at the new gig on March 18th. As always, great to see you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, yeah, Michael. Thank Appreciate you, Michael. it. That's it for this edition of the Showbiz Roundup. Our theme music is a composition by me, performed by Outside the Sphere, an experimental duo consisting of Tony Barba and myself, with special guest Sebastian Brennis on trombone. If you'd like more information about this show or any of the past or future shows presented by Blue Stem Jazz, you can head over to bluestemjazz.org and you can follow my doings or be in touch via rattletickbuzz.com. 